And now it's the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans for Mountaineer fans, the Country Roads Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 6, Episode 171 of the CRW Podcast. Here for our Houston preview and predictions. And here in just a bit, I'm going to be joined by my co-hosts Brad and Steve. And we'll break down the matchups against the Cougars and former West Virginia coach Dana Holgerson on each side of the ball there. And, of course, dive in with our key to victory and our score predictions for the game before taking a look around the rest of the Big 12 Conference and predicting some games throughout the Week 7 slate as well. But before we get there, we'll lead this thing off the way we always like to do on our preview episodes. And that's, of course, with a little bit of Mountaineer news. Unfortunately, this week we'll be leading off Mountaineer news with a bit of a heavy heart here with some news that broke over this weekend, as I'm sure most of Mountaineer Nation knows by now. But given the fact that it was someone that was so important and so impactful to us throughout Mountaineer Nation, I certainly didn't want to let this episode go by without, you know, addressing it here on the podcast. I know we've shared our thoughts on our social media pages as well, but wanted to address it here on the podcast because it certainly bears mentioning as Dale Wolfley was one of the greatest Mountaineers that, you know, has ever lived. Definitely a legend among Mountaineer Nation and rightfully so. And of course, through various other groups as well. He lived a great life where he had a vast area of experiences in a lot of different areas from being a tour manager to being involved in professional wrestling to coaching. And then of course, where we got to enjoy him as Mountaineer fans here in the past decade or so, not only, you know, being on the staff at WVU, but then of course being involved in, you know, game day broadcasts, coaches shows, and then most recently with his own YouTube channel and his own show, the Wolfman's call that I personally really enjoyed as I'm sure a lot of you all did. But on the screen, if you're watching on the video side, you'll see the statement released from his family following his passing and I'm just going to read that here from the family of Dale Wolfley on a bi-week visit to his mother's home in Buffalo New York we learned early Sunday morning that our dad slash Dale had passed in his sleep over the last 24 hours we struggled to come to the realization that this has happened he was a loving husband father brother and friend he was a fierce protector and a lover of life a larger presence with an even bigger heart we would like to thank everyone who has reached out and shared a message in support of our family. All your messages have helped the healing process. 
He loved you, Mountaineer Nation, more than you could ever imagine. This state, this school, this football team was his passion, and he would have done anything for them. He supported the Mountaineers unconditionally. It was his home and his brothers he was cheering for. Thank you to all his WVU colleagues and friends that he worked with over the years, whether it was from the tent, the booth, or wherever the job may have taken you. To all his supporters of his daily talk show, The Wolfman's Call, thank you for being there every step of the way as he ventured out on his own in a new world, as he called it. Finally, to all his former teammates and players, he loved all of you with everything he had. He was always worried he didn't do enough for everyone. He hoped you guys had as much fun as he did. We truly hope you enjoyed the passion and energy he would bring with him every step of life. There is only one way he would want this message to end. So thank you from his wife, Kathleen, and his children, Stone, Vaughn, Maverick, Ranger, Jade Nas, Tally Rain, and Kyle Isaiah Ray. Boom. Of course, ending it with the trade man statement that Wolf always used there. Got to end it with the boom and... Definitely wanted to share those sentiments, and we echo those here on the Country Roads webcast as we sure all of Mountaineer Nation now mourns this loss of such a legend in Dale Wolfley. So certainly wanted to pay our respects, and you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, hopefully West Virginia is able to go out on Thursday night and win one for Wolf. And then next up on the docket, of course, in Mountaineer News, we got to talk about injury news. That's certainly a topic everyone's concerned about following the game against TCU and how things went down for the Mountaineers. Multiple players cartered off, multiple starters out for the, you know, the end of that game. Um, and West Virginia, as far as those are concerned, sounds like Trey Lathan's the only definite that will, of course, be out for the remainder of the season, unfortunately. We'll have Ben Cutter stepping in at that linebacker role, playing that Mike linebacker position now. But as for the others, we're talking and Aubrey Burks, the free safety that was carted off with the scary injury, Wyatt Milam, the left tackle that suffered the eye injury, and Thomas Remick, the left guard that suffered the leg injury, were the injuries that West Virginia suffered in addition to uh, the Lathan injury, of course, against TCU. And as you see here, reported by Mike Ostie over on WVSportsNow.com. Coming from Neil Brown's press conference, which be sure to check out our show over on WVSportsNow.com, where you'll find all kinds of great Mountaineer sports content. We're proud to be a part of the SportsNow family of networks. But whether you're tuned in watching this video version there or on our YouTube channel. Be sure to drop us a like. That helps us. If you hit that thumbs up button, it helps not only this video's performance, but future videos performances as well. And if you're a West Virginia fan, college football fan, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Helps us and it helps you as it helps get more of this Mountaineer sports content out to Mountaineer Nation. But we appreciate you if you listen to the episode on the audio side as well that you can find on any podcast platform you like, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, you name it. Just search for Country Roads Webcasts and leaving us a rating there really helps us as well. But we appreciate you guys tuning in to 171 here any way that you are. And with that being said, let's move on with the injury update here. Thomas Rimmick, unfortunately, is the negative side of this because he will be out against Houston this Thursday night. West Virginia will be missing their left guard uh, for this game against Houston. So that will certainly be a position to watch as Jaquay Hubbard will slide into the starting offensive line for the West Virginia Mountaineers. And along that left side, we'll be looking to see if Wyatt Milam plays that left tackle position. He's done a great job all season. Had to miss you know, the remainder of the game against uh, TCU after getting poked in the eye, but uh, Neil Brown mentioned he will be a game-time decision, so really kind of unsure about his status right now. And then on the defensive side, Aubrey Burks obviously was the one that suffered the scary injury 
carted off the field, but ended up being, you know, one of the better case scenarios West Virginia could have had with as bad as that looked, as it seems like Aubrey Burks has no long-term effects from that. And he will be a game-time decision come Thursday night against Houston. They just kind of want to make sure everything's there and ready mentally, and he's prepared to go after you suffer such a traumatic event like what he had to deal with. Uh, seems like he may be ready to go, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well. If not, I'm sure Marcus Floyd would slide in to start there at free safety. They also mentioned the possibility of uh, Malachi rough and sliding over if need be uh, to play some safety as he's done that in the past. And then Josiah Jackson, a true freshman, was mentioned in the press conference as well as uh, playing good at the safety position there that he's been playing um, here early in his career. So that's a bit of an injury update here on Mountaineer News. Let's move on to our final piece of news here in our Mountaineer News segment before we dive in on our main segment uh, with Brad, Steven, and I previewing the upcoming game against Houston. But before we do that, we do know a game time for West Virginia's game against Oklahoma State. So let's close out Mountaineer News with this. And as you can see, shared from the university's official social media pages there just this week. So West Virginia gets on ESPN at 3.30 for the homecoming game against the Oklahoma State Cowboys after they hit the road this week to play Houston. West Virginia will come back home after, you know, a little bit of a lengthy break. They'll get nine days off before coming back home. Back to Morgantown on Saturday after, you know, nearly a month away. They return to play at Mountaineer Field again against the Cowboys, and it's going to kick off at 3.30 there on October 21st in Morgantown. But there you have it, Mountaineer Nation. That will put a bow on our Mountaineer News segment here on Episode 171 of the CRW Podcast. With no further ado, let's get into this fun matchup that we've all been looking forward to as West Virginia gets the chance to not only take on their former head coach and Dana Holgerson, but the West Virginia football program gets to face the Houston Cougars football program for the first time in history. That's right, first ever meeting between these two programs. Let's find out how we think it's going to go as we dive in on the matchups, provide our key to victory and ultimately our score prediction for the West Virginia Mountaineers as they travel to Houston to take on the Cougars this Thursday night. All right, Mountaineer Nation, here we are with your main segment on episode 171, here to get into the fun stuff and talk about this matchup against the Houston Cougars. Going to be a fun one, of course, we're going to get into our key to victory and score predictions after breaking down those matchups, and then we'll wrap up things here on the episode, as always, with our Around the Big 12 segment, taking a look at some results from this past week, looking at the standings, and then looking ahead to what's coming up this weekend in the Big 12 Conference. But before we get there, gentlemen, we got to talk about this match up with the Houston Cougars. I know it's one that we've all been looking forward to. Uh, Dana Holgerson, the former West Virginia coach, love him or hate him. Uh, polarizing, I guess, is one thing you could say about him in his tenure here at West Virginia. So a lot of people, I think, in addition to you know Penn State and Pitt, had this Houston game circled here on the schedule um, for this season. And I think for a lot of obvious reasons, of course, we would like to have it in Morgantown. Instead, we get it on the road there at Houston. But how are you guys feeling? in regards to this matchup, just opening thoughts, West Virginia taking on their former coach here off of a bye week, coming into it, you know, 2-0 and in the conference and, you know, now second place in the Big 12 conference. Spoiler alert for the Big 12 standings later, but how are you feeling about this uh, matchup with Houston, Stephen? Uh, well, I had uh, every intention on, you know, coming on this particular show and, you know, talking a bunch of crap about Dana Holgerson and how we were going to go down there and, you know, use – use that as motivation, use, you know, you know, the quote that is now famous about not being able to recruit, to recruit kids to West Virginia that, you, you know, you were going to win the big 12 conference with. And, you know, I had this whole big spiel, you know, about how, 
how many of those high school kids are now on West Virginia's roster and we're sitting at four and one in second place in the Big Twelve conference. And then I watched Neil Brown's press conference and, and Dana Holgerson's press conference earlier and I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of hard to be mad at the guy whenever he's saying so many respectful things. But also, you know, a lot of guys try to, try to retract their statements and in, in in these types of moments too, though. But I don't know. I I'm pumped up for the game for obvious reasons. You know, the the chance to get to play Dana and and obviously get the chance to to potentially beat Dana because uh, you might not get the chance next year with the way things are going. Um, but you know, with that being said, I. I don't know. I, I think it'd be it's another chance for our guys to go on the road and and play in a good environment and, and try to try to sneak out another win. Yeah, sneak out another win on the road and another night game. You know, it seems like all of our night games, or at least most of them this season, have been you know at night. So uh, West Virginia, you know, should be well tested in that area. But uh, Brad, what about you? Opening thoughts in regards to this matchup with the uh, the Fighting Dana Holgersons. Yeah, so I think it's pretty obvious that we're not the biggest Dana Holgerson fans around here. You know, we we've not been the most friendly towards Dana Holgerson. And I and I like Stephen. I'm going to come out and admit that you know I don't think that I hate Dana Holgerson as a person. Um, you know, I I think that he left a sour taste in my mouth. But if I'm being honest with myself, up until the day he left, I was supporting Dana Holgerson. You know what I mean? Like I I was getting at, at the end of his reign. I was kind of like. A, man, if you can't do it with this team, you won't ever be able to do it, so I'm okay if you leave. That's kind of where I was at with Anna Holgerson. And so, you know, I – but I want to see us whip his ass. You know, that that's what I really want to see. I, I want to see Neil Brown just absolutely use Houston as a get-right game because nothing would make me feel better than to just see – like I said, even though it's not malicious, I still want to see us whip, whip Dana Holgerson bad. Yeah, I'm right there with you because I really supported Dane up until the end of his tenure there as well uh, when kind of, like you said, it ended with the sour taste, I think, because we thought we should have been in the Big 12 championship game there in that final year. And, you know, arguably you could say that we should have been for sure. But I think what really rubbed me the wrong way with Dana was, you know, his comments after he left, you know, the ESPN article and stuff, as Steven mentioned a little bit earlier, talking about the West Virginia kids and the type of recruits he got at West Virginia and, and all of those things is really what kind of rubbed me the wrong way about Dana. It was kind of the way he handled things, you know, after the fact, uh, more so than anything he did while he was here. Because, you know, as Neil Brown mentioned, you know, in his press conference today, we did have some success with Dana, a couple 10-win seasons, you know, one in the Big East, one in the Big 12, the only one that we've still had up to this point. Hopefully that changes after this year. We'll see what happens. But uh, definitely, you know, appreciate the fun times we had with him. But uh, for me, I also want to see us go out and, you know, get a win here. And I know that the spread at this time is kind of close. But as you said, Brad, I'd love to see us go down there and really handle business and this be the first game where we, you know, win going away uh, because because of those things that he said and because the fact that we have a lot of West Virginia kids that will be playing on this team I think that that would be awesome and you know as Steven said it sounds like the team's not really using that as a motivation factor but I think for us you know among Mountaineer Nation fan base wise it's something that we're really buying into is wanting to see us go get a big victory over Dana for sure absolutely yeah I do want to say though you know while we're talking about of course I want to go down there and see us you know whoop them you know i'd love to go down there and beat them by at least three touchdowns that'd be great that'd be ideal you know but let's not forget you know one of my favorite moments in in wvu history you know it involves dana holgerson you know a long time i thought unfortunately but you know it does involve dana holgerson that orange bowl victory was a monument you know monumental victory in school history for me it's the you want to go in the game 
Like that for me is just like that too, man. That was a moment. But he, but see, but see, in that moment, got ruined for me because then he took that down to Houston, and like that was his like main slogan. Like that kind of, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. For me, it was just more that he left the cupboard so bare. Like we knew he was bad at recruiting. But then it just felt like he like used our prestige and our status to just like convince kids to come here, and then, you know, just X's and O's them, didn't really develop them, just kind of like let them be, and then picked up transfers. And he's a guy that builds his team year to year, and no matter when he left us, we were going to be hurting because of the way that he was doing it, just kind of year to year. And so it's like once you're on that hamster wheel, how do you ever get off? Um, you know, so. it feels like he's done the same thing at Houston. He's just used he's just used the Houston name and brand to get good enough guys and then he doesn't develop them, so he just moves on to the next batch and it's just, you know. And he's still using guys that he recruited to West Virginia that, you know, he's yeah. now got they've got four of our players Houston. on his team now. So. Yeah. But you know, like you like you said, it, I was a big supporter of him. I think we all were very, very supportive of him, even when even when the large majority of the fan base was calling for his head a lot of the times. But what really ruined it for me was, you know, like you said, that last year when we were very much in contention to go to the the Big Twelve championship game and that Oklahoma State game, it just left such a sour taste in my mouth because yeah. we we had the game, you know, won. But you know, that that to me is what really kind of while I still respect him as an offensive-minded coach, I just I, – I don't know. I can't respect him as a head coach. It just never seemed like he could get both things or, or, you know, all three facets together at once. Well, I think that it's – If special uh, teams ever deserves any credit under him for being right. good. You know, all all three sides of the balls he always talked about. Yeah, as I say, I want nothing more than to, re- like, cover a muffed punt. <laughs> like, that's, that's all I want. <laughs> that would be, that'd be poetic justice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, have it positively influence us. And I think that it's fitting that the team that uh, we get to go face, you know, our former head coach Dana Holgerson with, is a team that's getting things done and winning games by, you know, being physical and being very disciplined. Because I think, you know, all the complaints that I had with Dana, that was one of the things that I always complained about over the years with his teams is they were more finesse, never really had that physical hard edge to them, and they never were disciplined. You always had bad penalty issues and things like that. So I think that it's fitting that West Virginia has a team that's kind of the polar opposite of things that uh, we dealt with during the Dana era that's going down there. And hopefully that makes the difference and, you know, is one of the reasons West Virginia is able to come out on top in this game is because they are doing those little things right. And then us as fans can point to, you you know, you see our coaching staff now, they – take note of these little things, these fine details, and that's why we're winning games, and that's why Dane is struggling is because he doesn't do those little things. He thinks he can get by with just his great offensive mind and go out there and win in a shootout every Saturday versus, you know, taking note of everything throughout the program and improving every little detail. So I think that if West Virginia goes out there and plays the way we've been playing, it's going to be very fitting and uh, kind of satisfactory for us uh, as Mountaineer fans. And I think that, you know, also like one thing Dan Holgerson always struggled with was a mobile quarterback. So, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of little things that are going to be, you know, poetic to this whole game. And they haven't really been able to, I mean, they struggled with UTSA. They got blown out by Rice. I mean. They're, they're down right now. I mean, they're arguably right now, you're looking at the team that's, maybe the actual 14th place in the Big 12 team versus the team that was 
predicted to be the 14th place in the uh, Big 12 team in the Mountaineers, which we all knew that prediction would end up being wrong. And, of course, I think thus far that's proven to be the case. Hopefully that remains true on Thursday night. But, you know, got into a little bit of opening thoughts there, gentlemen. Let's get into the matchups a little bit. Let's start off with the West Virginia offense against the Houston defense because I think that that's kind of the weakness spots for both teams. There has been thus far throughout this season. Houston's defense been, you know, one of the worst ones in the Big 12 conference. Uh, They've struggled against teams that West Virginia has played, and that's what's interesting with this game is you get the sample size of both teams having played the same two Big 12 teams. TCU and Texas Tech, West Virginia played, you know, held them both under 30 points. Uh, Then they uh, Houston also played those teams, and they scored a lot on Houston. So that goes to show, you know, Houston's defense has been struggling this year, and that's something that we saw throughout the years with Dana was defenses that struggled, but the offenses were really good. Um, has another high-powered offensive attack. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But in regards to this West Virginia offense against this Houston defense, coordinated by another familiar face in Doug Belk uh, for Houston, uh, what are your thoughts on this type of matchup right here, Brad? Our offense versus their defense, man, I'm telling you, I think it's a get-right game for the West Virginia offense. I think that this Houston defense is struggling. I think they're on the ropes already, and I think that, you know, our wide receiver group is set for a breakout. It hasn't happened yet, but I think this is the game. I think this is where we find it at. I think this is where we get it rolling. I think that is going to make us um, dominate, honestly. So I'm liking the way this looks. If I'm being honest, I feel like that's the only thing that we're lacking. You know, the offense has been middling, but that's only because we haven't had a passing game. And I think that once you flip that switch, it's going to go from zero to 100 real quick. I mean, if you're looking at it on paper, this is the game that could be a get-right game when you're looking at the stats of Houston's defense thus far this season. So the Mountaineers, you know, Neil Brown talked about in his press conference, save for, you know, the offensive line where there is some question marks, as I reported there in Mountaineer News, Wyatt Milam going to be a game-time decision. You'll be without Thomas Remick, so you'll have Brandon Yates starting at left guard, Jaquay Hubbard moving into the starting lineup at right guard. But save for that, West Virginia is the healthiest they've been, especially at the skill positions, Neil Brown mentioned uh, C.J. Donaldson healthy now. Garrett Green's um, allegedly 100% as well. And um, hopefully you can finally see your receivers make some plays in this one. Um, Houston does have some good pass rushers off the edge. That's kind of what the strength is of their defense, although their defensive line in the middle has been suspect. And, you know, the strength of the Houston defense is in the secondary. So that matches up for West Virginia well, that Houston is worse at run defense than they are at pass defense. Of course, they're going to try and force West Virginia to pass the football, but Stephen, how are you feeling if they do indeed do that and West Virginia has to come out and throw it a little bit more than they have um, throughout the beginning of this season? Do you think they can still find ways to have success? Because they're probably going to have to you know, find a way to score at least 20-some points against a Dana Holgerson team, you would think. Uh, but do you think as well that this could potentially be a get-right game for West Virginia's offense? Uh, yeah, I do. I think because, I mean, like you said, um, Houston – is really bad on defense. They don't tackle well. They don't they don't cover very well um, in the secondary. So I think West Virginia's receivers will have the opportunity to have a good game. And you know, you mentioned we're going to be without Tumas. Um, there's a good chance we might be without Wyatt if they don't feel like that he's going to be able to see well enough. And I don't think that he's going to be able to make it a go. Um, so you might be ha- might be forced to have to pass a little bit more than you want to, just because you're not going to be able to you know to get any good run blocking going to be able to, you know, wear them down like you have been before. Um, but I think it also largely depends on, you know, a large part of this 
the fan base has been really hard on CJ. Um, and, and for a lot of the, re- I don't really understand, you know, the, the criticism toward him so much because I've seen countless articles about why, what, what's happened to CJ, what's happened to CJ. Like, last I checked, I mean, he's scored a touchdown and if not every game this season, almost every game this season, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I still think CJ's running well, but I think it largely depends on how well he runs the football. Um, if he can, if he can get it going early, um, then I think we, you know, I think we stand a pretty good chance. But I do, I, I agree with Brad. I do think that our receivers get it going a little bit more than what what they've been able to, and and the prior games this season. Yeah, I mean, I've honestly been thinking about because I think that CJ's definitely had more of a down year this year, and I think that has a lot to do with just like for me it comes from like his average like he was averaging like over four yards a carry last year this year he's averaging like a little over two and that's just like really telling to me is just like you know and it doesn't look like he's hitting the holes as hard and i think he's getting worn down i think he's become you know he realized how many hits he's going to be taking and he's seen what injuries can do and you know i I just i just don't think he's running as hard as what he once did quite honestly i wouldn't mind to see him step out of wide receiver a little bit more I, i just don't know why you know, I know you line him up as running back all year, but you brought him in as a tight end. You're really struggling as wide receiver right now. He's six foot two. You know, he's got good speed to him. Put him out there. You know what I mean? Let him, let him just catch a ball or two, and then put Jaheim White back there a little extra. You know, I, I don't know why that's not something you wouldn't think about if you just, you know, why do you have to tie him down to running back? I know he's a hell of a one, but right now he's getting a little over two yards of carry. Why not? try to get his athleticism on the field somewhere else. Yeah, and I think he's also dealing with the fact that this season, every game he's, you know, the main focus of the defense's game plan, I'm sure. They know to load the box against West Virginia. So I understand why people see uh, that he is struggling because, you know, he hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game this season. So I think that's something we probably wouldn't have expected five games in. And we also, with that, you know, wouldn't expect West Virginia to be four and one without him having a hundred yard rushing game. So that just goes to, you know, give another credit to the West Virginia coaching staff. But, you know, in regards to CJ, I I do agree with you. I think getting him the ball in some creative ways would be good. And I think uh, Chad Scott mentioned that, you know, in his press conference this week as well, that getting not even just CJ, but some of the other playmakers, as you mentioned, Jaheim White, you know, Rodney Gallagher, getting them the ball out in space in different ways and trying to find creative ways to do that is something that they're looking to do moving forward as West Virginia Virginia continues to try and improve this offense because if they can improve this offense, they got a chance to be a really great football team. But I think I'm watching that left side of West Virginia's offensive line in this game. Um, as Steven mentioned there, you know, we're without Tomas. We may be without Wyatt. And uh, that's West Virginia's left guard and left tackle. And a lot of West Virginia's big successful runs this season, especially explosive-wise that they've had, have came off that left side using that outside zone stretch play with Wyatt Milam setting that edge. He's done a really good job. So I'm hoping Wyatt Milam, you know, we said he's going to be a game-time decision. Hopefully he gets to play in this game. If not, that's going to be interesting development, and I'm going to be seeing how that line holds up for West Virginia on some of those running plays or if they tend to, you know, switch things up and try to go to the right side a little bit more on some of those running plays. But it's definitely a story to watch, you know, heading into this game yeah and especially when you got interesting guys backing up Wyatt Milan there uh, if you're looking towards the future and what could be for you know after these guys leave um any other thoughts in regards to West Virginia's offense uh, versus Houston defense uh, you got anything you want to add there Steven uh no I'm just I'm I'm curious to see um how GG responds this week too you know last week was a bit of a bit of a curveball in terms of game prep and everything with 
what happened to Nico leading up. And, you know, I just want to see how he comes out and plays because I want to see if he responds in, in a positive way or if, I don't know, it's curious. Well, it's got to also, this is probably the most healthy we're going to see him versus a Power 5 opponent, you know, uh, since Penn State. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see how he plays. And I think he really impressed me playing as well as he did not being 100% versus TCU. And, you know, as we learned after the game, only having the couple days to prepare for that game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see him, if he catches like some confidence and gets some spark going, and we see, you know, we saw a little bit of it last weekend, but if he gets any kind of confidence in himself, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, man, you watch for Nico to be leading rusher again. Or Nico. Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, it could it could very well happen. I think that he's shown that you know capability throughout this season. What was eighty yards rushing? You know, not being a hundred percent, and then look back against Penn State, he had over seventy against them. So I think he's definitely a weapon West Virginia could use in this game, and someone that you know maybe us as Mountaineer fans are sleeping on how good he could be for this team and some of the impact that he could make. And if we're sleeping on him, then you definitely know that West Virginia's opponents are probably sleeping on him as well. Yeah. For sure. But let's flip it over to the other side then, gentlemen, uh, because this is the matchup of the game, you know, in my opinion. Like I said, that, you know, first matchup there is one to watch for sure because Houston's defense has been weak, but West Virginia's offense hasn't been, you know, anything to write home about necessarily either. But then we look at this area, which is the two strengths of these two teams this season, West Virginia's defense. We've talked a lot about its improvements and how well it's done uh, thus far this year, especially in Big 12 play, doing an excellent job there. And then you look at Dana Holgerson. We know that offense is his calling card. When he was here at West Virginia, you know, we were having to win games 50 to 49, you know, 70 to 63, stuff like that. But he was fully capable of doing it and doing it in a lot of different ways with a lot of different teams over the years here he finds his pieces and knows how to make those work and rack up yards and score points and um, it's been no different this season their defense has been struggling but they do look strong on offense Parker Jenkins a true freshman looks good for them at the running back position Donovan Smith another big quarterback West Virginia will face this season the Texas Tech transfer looks good there is the trigger man and they have three wide receivers that'll really scare you Joseph Manjack Matthew Golden's really fast, and of course, we all already know about Sam Brown. Got to see a little bit of uh, his talents during his true freshman season, and he's really come on there at Houston, leading the Big 12 in different receiving categories there. So when you look at this matchup here, what are you watching for this one? Uh, do you think West Virginia's defense can continue to look as strong as they have early in this season going up against a Dana Holgerson offense that we know will probably pull out all the stops with it being a night game in Houston back against the wall desperately needing to win against his former team uh do you think West Virginia's defense can still come out and perform uh the way that they have uh throughout the early part of the season Stephen uh I, I do I do uh I think there's a lot of question marks going into, into that side of the ball even more so I mean obviously you have the uh the injury to Aubrey Burks early on in the game last week and you have the Trey Lathan uh, injury later on in the game so they're you know you're going to have uh, Malachi Ruffin probably slide over and play that position for Aubrey which he's played and started at before so I don't think we're going to have uh, a very rough time getting anything smoothed out there and then you're going to have Ben Cutter come in and play uh, and I think he said Jai Favris is going to come in and uh, play a little bit at that spot well uh, spot as well so I don't know if those guys can come in um, in the linebacker position and and play that spot well, then I think West Virginia continues to, I don't want to say dominate, that's a strong word, but I, I, I will, you know, 
continue to play very sound defense. Um, but looking at their offense, I know they, they had the potential to put up a lot of points, but, um, you know, they only scored 17 against UTSA. They only scored 13 against TCU. I mean, obviously they scored 38 against the, um, Sam Houston. Um, and then last week, still losing they score 28 points but i mean looking at it i don't i don't see anything outrage any outrageous numbers that what we haven't faced in T- texas tech and tcu um you know what i mean i think that those two teams had far better far more firepower on their offense in terms of what the numbers showed going into those games so you know if you're west virginia you're really not facing anything that you haven't faced up to this point in the season um and so i i, I can't help but feel strongly that west virginia is going to come out and and play another strong performance on that side of the ball. Good points, and I hope you're right there. I think the West Virginia defense is more than capable of doing so. As you mentioned, the injuries there, they're still up in the air. Aubrey Burke's going to be a game-time decision. We'll see if um, they let him go um, already, you know, after that traumatic situation in West Virginia's game against TCU. Um, If not, you're looking at, you know, Marcus Floyd, and then, as you mentioned, Malachi Ruffin could potentially uh, slide over there, too, if necessary as well. Uh, Ben Cutter going to play at linebacker after the season-ending injury to Trey Lathan, who unfortunately, you know, hate to see that happen, was getting a ton of quarterback pressures, was well on his way to a freshman All-American season, I do believe. Uh, But Ben Cutter stepping in there, and I thought, interestingly enough, in his interview, he's actually going to be playing the Mike linebacker position they're going to continue to kind of keep things the way they were when Latham was in there. So they're trusting Ben Cutter at the mic and Lee Cobb at the wheel and going to use them interchangeably a little bit there. But the one thing that scares me with this is you get the mad scientist Dana Holgerson off of a bye week. So who knows what kind of crazy stuff he might throw at you that he hasn't put on film yet or anything like that. And I also think, in my opinion, this is the best wide receiving core that West Virginia has faced yet this season and one of the better ones they'll face throughout the entire season, I do believe. So I think West Virginia's secondary has been tested and they've passed those tests time and time again throughout this season. But here comes another big one this Thursday night and hopefully they're able to pass it. But uh, Brad, what do you think about this West Virginia defense against uh, Dana Holgerson and the Houston offense? Yeah, I hope I get to see some Beanie Bishop versus Sam Brown. I think that'd be a really fun matchup to watch. I think it'd be that would really be interesting, you know, just just watching them go at it. But, you know, we've seen Dan Holgerson's offenses. I also expect him to be going deep, trying to make big shots. And I hope that, you know, people like Malachi Ruffin and, um, you know, whoever's backing up Aubrey Burks is ready because Dan Holgerson's going to test them. And so, you know, I, I have no doubt that they're going to score points. But um, I do I do think that Ben Cutter's going to do a good job. Uh, he does make mistakes. I mean, he's a true freshman, for heaven's sake. But um, I think just like the other elements on the other throughout the rest of the defense is just so good that um, it makes their jobs easier. You know, when your defensive line is playing as well as they are, and everybody else on the back end is playing as well as they are, um, even when you have pieces go down, it feels like we've got good good depth to just slide back in and kind of keep it bolstered. I like that word. The word. Uh, yeah, good word. Good word, Brad. It's, well, it's a good game for West Virginia's linebackers and, you know, of course, the defensive line that's been so strong. And we've talked a lot about uh, West Virginia's front seven and the good job they've done throughout this season, no matter who's been rotated in there on the defensive line or whether it's been Cobra or Lathan and then 
Cutter at times and going to be him more in this game. But I think it's a big game for them because West Virginia is going to need to get pressure on the Houston quarterback there so they don't have time for those, you know, long developing downfield routes that Dana likes to throw. Uh, Try not to give them too much time to develop because if they do have the time, then they're going to hit on a few of those, you know, unfortunately with the talent that you mentioned there, Sam Brown, Manjack, and Golden. So West Virginia, I think, has got to hope that their goal is going to be to limit explosive plays as much as possible because I think Dane is really going to go out there and uh, try and go after him. You know, and Dane even said it in his conference earlier, his press press conference, that, you know, he wished he, they would have gotten the chance to play this game on Saturday because their team wasn't banged up. But I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I think he might be a little bit afraid of, you know, what West Virginia has whenever we are fully healthy, you know, even if we are a couple of men down. Because, you know, like I said, back on the offense, seems like that they're a bit more healthy than they have been. The bye week came at the perfect time for West Virginia, conversely to uh, what Dana mentioned there. So I think that, you know, and it's something Neil Brown mentioned as well. A lot of people are talking about this 4-1 and one start, saying, you know, West Virginia hasn't really beaten anybody. A lot of these teams they've played don't have winning records right now, save for, of course, Penn State, who's having a great season. That's but change, I think. I think. Yeah, and I, well, I like to look at it on the other side of the coin as well, and I think Neil Brown alluded to some of this in his press conference. West Virginia also is 4-1, and 2-0 in the Big 12 Conference and really hasn't put together a complete game yet, especially, you know, when not even just offense, defense, special teams all playing, you know, together for full four a full four quarters, but I think there's also been multiple games where the defense has played, you know, one half that was – okay and then one half that was really good so we haven't really seen West Virginia's defense put together a full four quarters yet either and they're still finding ways to win games so you know the optimistic side in me says we haven't seen the best yet from West Virginia and I think the best is yet to come I completely agree especially when I was watching I was re-watching the, t- the, the rest of the TCU game today and just how many interceptions we left on the field is insane that you just had your hands on the ball in your lap and your gut and we just weren't you know coming down with them. And it's like, if you even turn 25% of those plays around, then, you know, you're, you're completely changing the outlook of the game. And so I think that, you know, if if the defense can put a game together where they, it's not just been um, against, you know, TCU either there, we've seen them drop interceptions a few times this season. And so just like, you know, that, that ceiling is not, is way up there. We have not touched it yet because we're still not even, you know, you start talking about a couple of interceptions a game, and then this defense is taking it to a next level. And there's potential to do it too. I mean, like you said, it. I can think of three, maybe even four. Chandler Morrison's a good quarterback, and he almost threw four interceptions. Yeah, and they showed. I mean, and then uh, what's their uh, backup quarterback for Texas Tech? He balled out this past weekend too. Uh, Morton, yeah, yeah, he looked yeah. really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm telling you, those two teams are a lot better than what people are giving them credit for being right now because West Virginia played so well against them in certain facets and they did you know leave stuff on the field that's of course credit to West Virginia's defense and the things that they've uh, shown thus far this season and you know as you mentioned there Brad plenty of opportunities for turnovers that they haven't quite capitalized on yet but the silver lining there is uh, they're in the right position to make these plays and you got to think sooner rather than later they're going to start making more of them that's going to happen for the receivers and our defense 
And then, of course, uh, can't mention the matchups without including special teams. I think West Virginia's had a lot of success this season in that area. Obviously, when you're coming off of a game in which two field goal blocks kind of secured you a victory there, it's an uh, area that's been an advantage for West Virginia uh, throughout this season. But Houston's been good on special teams as well. And uh, Matthew Golden, the wide receiver there, is a great kick returner for him. West Virginia's going to have to look out for He's already got uh, one kickoff return touchdown on the season. So um, look out for you know special teams to again you know be an area that's going to affect this game one way or the other and hopefully West Virginia is the team that's uh, making it have that effect we're going to have to definitely cover the ball very well on Thursday that's for sure yeah Sandy Lanes which is positive because we've seen a more disciplined team this year so it gives you hope over the last few years but you know um, and they have covered well yeah yeah, save for, you know, one kick return against Texas Tech, I believe it was. Coverage unit's been, you know, very stellar for the Mountaineers, so hopefully uh, that continues to be the case uh, coming up against Houston. But speaking of that matchup, we've kind of broken down, you know, each side of it. Now let's get into our keys to victory and our score prediction here on episode 171. All right, gentlemen, so leading this off with our key to victory, what do you think is going to be able to allow West Virginia to move to 3-0 and in conference, get a win over their former coach? Uh, what's it going to take to get it done, Brad? What's your key to victory this week? Yeah, for me, it's the offensive line. With, with all the question marks we got going on, with not knowing who's going to be out and who's going to be playing, it's going to be really key for those backups to step up and keep up the same pace that the offense has kept all year because that's been our bread and butter. That's what's won us games. And, you know, it's got to be someone like Zach Frazier really stepping into that leadership role and making sure that, you know, you're two men down. It, it, you got to step up and lead even more then. So for me, it's got to be the offensive line because if, if they have an off game, then, you know, bad things can happen. Great call there. And I think West Virginia, you know, being a team that you would think has better depth with Houston just now coming to the conference from the group of five level, hopefully that offensive line is able to, you know, wear Houston down. And later in this game, when you see West Virginia really start to flex their muscles on Houston a little bit there, maybe in the fourth quarter, that offensive line starts to have that advantage that really makes a difference in this game. So I like that pick there uh, for a key to victory. But what about you, Stephen? What do you have as your key this week? Uh, I'm going to flip it over to the defense. I think that, uh, you know, our cornerbacks need to cover the receivers well enough to to be able to at least semi-shut them down. You know, I think they're going to make plays. Sam Brown's probably going to make plays being his former team. You don't really know if you're going to see Tony Mathis that much, but, you know, if, if you do, you know, the, those guys are going to come out and want to want to make a statement. Um, so I, I just think that West Virginia secondary needs to cover in – you know, be able to jam them at the line. And if that happens, West Virginia has a really good chance of, of stopping them from scoring very many points. And West Virginia has a good shot at winning the game. I'd agree with that for sure. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, some of the former Mountaineers there that are on that Houston squad, we've talked about Sam Brown a little bit. Of course, they do have Tony Mathis at the running back position. He's been uh, battling injury there, as uh, Stephen mentioned. Don't know how much we'll get to see him. Uh, same goes with Mike Olafon, who's the second string tight end for Houston. And of course, Noah Guzman, the fourth Mountaineer that's on the Houston squad. He's actually out for this game with injury. But having said that, I definitely agree the West Virginia secondary has got to step up in this game. I think I've made 
made it clear, you know, throughout the matchup discussion here that the Houston wide receivers are kind of the area that I'm most concerned about in this game because I feel like they've got some really talented athletes there, Brown, Man, Jack, Golden, and then they have others that they'll throw at you there that can hurt you as well. So West Virginia's secondary has got to continue to play great in this game for them to be able to come out victorious. So great pick there for a key to victory. And I think my key kind of goes right along with your alls because for me, I think the key is West Virginia just to dictate the type of game that it's going to be, dictate the playing style in this game because, you know, that's very kind of opposing forces in this game. Dana Holgerson and his team, they're going to want to go fast tempo, make this a shootout, whereas the Mountaineers, we lead, you know, the nation up near the top in time of possession. We want to slow it down, play ball control, play good defense, you know, great fundamentals and uh, make you kind of make the mistake that's going to hurt you and we're not going to beat ourselves and find a way to win in the end. So when you have those contrasting styles that you're going to see in this game, I think the team that kind of influences their will really has an advantage. So if you're West Virginia, you really don't want this to get into a shootout. If you can avoid it, you want to be able to possess the ball, run the football like you have throughout this season, play good defense, force those three and outs and control time of possession. So my key to victory is West Virginia dictating the style of play in this football game. So we've all three given our key to victories. Now it's time to get into our favorite part here on our preview show, of course, the score prediction. Uh, so diving in on that now, Brad, let me hear what you think. Does West Virginia go down to Houston, get the victory over the fighting Dana Holgersons, and move to 3-0 and in conference play? <clears throat> I think the Mountaineers dumpstered them 42-17. to Oh, Brad, with the spicy take there, got the Mountaineers hitting 40. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, I think, like I said, I think it's the get right game. I think that Houston's a bottom team in the Big 12, and I think that West Virginia is really starting to find their flow coming off a of bye week with so much reason to go down there and just establish yourself. If you falter once, everybody's going to stop believing. I think people are believing. I think the team's believing. I think they go in there and handle the Houston uh, Cougars. I like it. I like it a lot. Hey, I'm not going to doubt you after, you know, last time I doubted you, you said we were going to hold Texas Tech to like 10 points and we ended up holding to 13. So, you know, I was doubtful then. And, uh, you know, the team, you know, proved you to be right. Hopefully uh, they do the same again. And West Virginia goes out and puts on an offensive showcase and scores the most they have uh, throughout this season. That would be awesome to see, you know, in a power five game anyway. But uh, Steven, what about you, my friend? Uh, do you agree with Brad? You got the Mountaineers getting the victory Thursday night down there in Houston? Uh, I actually do. I don't have them beating them by as big of a, a mark as what Brad does, but I actually have them holding them to 17 points just like Brad does. I got them winning 30 to 17. I swear I wish I had some written down to prove that I had that score in my head before we went on this show, but I, I promise you that's the score that I had planned to give you guys before we even started recording tonight. I like it. I like it. 17. So I got, I got to feel confident after, you know, me and Cruz had the same prediction last, uh, last game. And yeah, we worked were out well. That's true. You know, I got to feel confident that now me and Brad are going into this game about the 17. So West Virginia's got to beat 17 guys. 17. Yeah, that's crazy. Now. Cause I got Houston scoring 17. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I do like that prediction, and I think that uh, that's a good one. West Virginia certainly has the defense that could potentially hold them under 20 points, but I think, you know, I probably tipped my hand a little bit. You know, um, I think that uh, 
Dana Holgerson's talented when it comes to offense. So I'm a little bit uh, worried in that aspect, especially, you know, with a little bit of extra prep time that he has for this game. Houston playing at home is going to give them a bit of a boost probably as well. Um, you know, we've talked about the storylines leading into it. Uh, the coaches can say what they want, but I think there's going to be a little bit of a juice going into it because of that. Uh, with Houston being at home, I would not be surprised if it's the type of game where they start off hot early. West Virginia may have to, you know, come from behind early and it'd be a game that where they wear on them late. That's kind of the thing, the vibe that I'm getting from it anyways is that with the energy leading up to it, I expect Houston's offense to come out firing, maybe similar to what West Virginia saw against uh, TCU where they got to, you know, be resilient and respond and really make some adjustments and to which they come out stronger. But I think they will do that as the game progresses. I think West Virginia has more depth. I think West Virginia has, you know, the tendency to be more physical. I think they're going to do a better job in the trenches. It's going to be one of the reasons that they're able to, you know, go on and win this game. So I do have West Virginia winning this game. I think, you know, they're, they're the more physical team. They're the more disciplined team. And hopefully West Virginia's offense does perform better than they have, you know, in a lot of games throughout this season, especially on that scoreboard, because I think they're going to need to. I don't have them scoring quite as much as you guys. Steven has them in the 30s. Brad has them in the 40s. I've got West Virginia winning this game 28 to 24 um, over Houston. I like it. Drastically different scores there, guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But hey, at least we're all uh, three optimistic right. this week, all going I with hope the win. I'm right again. <laughs> hey, if you do, man, hey, you got to play the Powerball or something. Let's not forget, you guys, who who holds the uh, the record this year for for picks. Not just West Virginia picks, but all around the Big 12 picks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So, with that being said, I guess I reluctantly got to get into the uh, around the Big 12 segment here before we uh, close up this episode, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Steven's picks from this previous week, which, unfortunately, he got a few more correct than I did. So, with that being said, let's run down the scores from uh, Week 6 in the Big 12 Conference. We'll update you on the current conference standings, and then we'll make some more picks for this upcoming game's around the conference in week seven here in our final segment on episode 171 around the big 12 all right around the big 12 here episode 171 of course got to put a bow on this previous week's games and of course ucf and kansas that was a good contest there john reese Plumley surprisingly coming in to play for ucf not quite 100% didn't look like, and Kansas was able to absolutely manhandle UCF on the ground to the tune of nearly 400 yards rushing. UCF's run defense continues to struggle this season, and Kansas gets the win 51-22 to over UCF. That as it sounds, it should have been a lot worse than that. That 22 points is, you know, just in the fourth quarter, you know, second and third strings in. That was mm-hmm. impressive by Kansas. Yeah, it was. Kansas is looking good, man. They're a contender this year. Yeah, yeah, they are. And then, of course, the other game that was a bit surprising, I think, was uh, Iowa State taking down TCU. And uh, it's another game, as you mentioned there, Stephen, in the previous game. Iowa State really, you know, led for the entirety of this game and were leading it, you know, handedly, ultimately getting the win there. We mentioned how tough night games can be at Jack Trice Stadium, and that proved to be the case yet again. Uh, TCU starting quarterback Chandler Morris also injured in this game to add insult to injury for the Horned Frogs, who are struggling a little bit right now as Iowa State beats them 27-14. to Hmm. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Did not see that one coming at all. 
Like you said, Jack Trice is tough, but I did not see that one coming. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, which reminds me of the other upset that I completely uh, ran over here on the schedule because it was the Friday night game, but that was Oklahoma State. Um, you know, we've talked about it here on the podcast in the past saying you should never bet against Gundy. And I think I mentioned on our preview show that, you know, that's something that I always say, but it, I thought that they had really kind of lost things there in Stillwater, didn't know what was going on there. Seemed like things were really in disarray. And then all of a sudden, of course, when everyone's betting against Gundy, that's when he comes out and really uh, puts on a show. They go out and upset Kansas State 29-21 to as double-digit underdogs. A big upset win there for Mike Gundy. And uh, maybe things aren't uh, in such bad state there for the Cowboys after all. Definitely a great win there for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think they had some question marks um, early on in the year, but – and I'm not so sure that they have all of those question marks figured out, but you know, just like Jack Trice, Boone Pickens is a, is a hard stadium to play at too, with all those paddles going on the wall. So, I'm a, home field advantage is a very, very real thing. Yeah, those I'm telling you, that's I talk about home field advantage a lot when I'm making my picks, and that's why because home field advantage, not I mean, it's not just in the Big Twelve Conference, but especially in the Big Twelve Conference, there are some tough places to play, man. There are some passionate fan bases in this conference. And it's just you, that's what makes it so hard to play at any given stadium you go to. It's hard to hard to win on the road in this league. It really is. So, you know, that's why I think a lot of people were tipping their cap to West Virginia, getting that road win at TCU. You know, with all the extenuating circumstances that they had to overcome in that game. And um, you know, it's tough. It's tough to do. Kansas State was unable to get it done in Stillwater, unfortunately. But there was a team that was able to get a road win, and of course, that was Texas Tech uh, going on the road to Waco, defeating Baylor thirty-nine to fourteen. And, uh, you know, Baylor looking uh, like they're going to continue to struggle a little bit this season as well. Uh, Dave Aranda, I don't know if you can necessarily say he's on the hot seat just yet, but if not, that thing certainly seems to be uh, warming up right now. They're uh, not looking so good after just, you know, being very competitive just a couple of seasons ago as uh, Texas Tech goes in there and uh, beats them pretty handily. Well, didn't they just have a huge comeback win against UCF, yeah. UCF, yeah. It was last week yeah. they had that, but yeah. Yeah, last week or weeks, you know. But then after, but after seeing, you know, UCF first Kansas this week, I'm wondering how much of that is UCF's defense, you know, really struggling because a lot of Baylor's comeback plays were on the ground. And after how much UCF's run defense struggled this week, I'm wondering if that was more a product of UCF's bad defense than uh, than Baylor. But I don't know. Yeah, I might have gave UCF too much credit myself. It's a funky world in which we live. And this is true. This is true. You know, I, I had high hopes for UCF coming into the season as well, that they might be uh, one of the best of the four newcomers. But I think their injury to Reese Plumley has changed some things. And then, of course, no one expected their run defense to look the way that it's looked thus far this season. Hopefully they're able to clean that up. And then lastly, of course, but definitely not least, as it's the final Big 12 incarnation of the Red River rivalry. And what a game this was between Oklahoma and Texas, you know, at noon on ABC. Hopefully you got a chance to watch this one because it was a lot of fun. Looked like Texas had the wind sealed up there at the end. And then Dylan Gabriel and Oklahoma with an amazing drive, go down, get a touchdown, win the game 34 to 30, much to my dismay as I'd picked Texas to win and Stephen had picked Oklahoma. Of course, he was right, so uh, got to give you your flowers there, Stephen. Uh, good pick, Dylan Gabriel and the Sooners uh, looking pretty good this season. Yeah, uh, mainly I wanted to say this. I, 
for one, I'm actually I'm extremely happy that Oklahoma won because it gives West Virginia, uh, you know, a little bit more on the strength of schedule. Um, if West Virginia can find a way to go out to to Norman and and pull off an upset and win that game, then you know that is even better for West Virginia. Um, but you know, two, just not a Texas guy, man. Horns down. Horns down. Horns and, you down. know, you mentioned it in our known. group chat. You said De- Texas is most definitely not back. I will say, Texas is an extremely talented football team. They're good, though. But like they I said good. in that show, there are things that happen in these games. All, and it's not just this one, but every rivalry game, every big-time rivalry game that you will watch, most oftentimes than not, it doesn't, you know, and especially when you got two undefeated teams ranked in the top fifteen like this, you you never really know, man. You just don't know. Yeah, throw records and everything else out the window with it when it comes to a rivalry. And I know they scored thirty points, but I'm telling you guys, this Oklahoma defense is not the same Oklahoma defenses that West Virginia has faced in the past. Because if if it's one thing that I knew for certain, whenever they hired Brent Venables as their head coach, was that their defense was going to be real deal at some point. And I think that I, you know, I. I think that they're a very good defense and a very sound defense because they don't miss very many tackles and they are a hard hitting group. And that's what, that's, you know, looking forward, that's one thing that kind of scares me whenever they face West Virginia because while their offense is good, their defense is also very good. Yeah. That's why they're really improved this season. That's what was, you know, such a big surprise last season was how much the defense struggled with Venables take it over. And I think this year you're finally seeing, you know, more in line with what you'll see with Venables there, and I think Texas's defense was kind of the talk of the town heading into this game, and Oklahoma's defense looked like they took that personally because they really came out and put on an awesome performance against that Texas offense uh, to be able to be a big reason, in addition to Dylan Gabriel's clutch play that Oklahoma was able to win. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts as uh, far as week six results, uh, gentlemen, before we take a look at the conference standings as they are now before uh, week seven? Makes that Oklahoma State matchup going in the next week look interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely made our record. I mean, our schedule upcoming look a little bit better. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Think uh, some different tests on the schedule that we thought you know were looking like you know maybe easy wins potentially now look like some teams that uh, could be competitors and are going to give West Virginia a challenge. So interesting to see how that shapes up. And uh, speaking of how things are shaping up, let's take a look at the uh, Big 12 standings as they are currently here heading into week seven. And I think for Mountaineer fans, this is a very you know pleasurable sight to see and something that probably a lot of us weren't expecting at this time. But uh, that is our West Virginia Mountaineers, second in the conference. Of course, the only oh, other undefeated second? team in conference, Oklahoma. So, yeah, oh, number that's, two. Huh. That's, uh, that's not oh. 14. <laughs> yeah, so where's 14th at? Oh, oh, it's down there. It's crazy. It's almost like, you know, uh, the media didn't know what they were talking about or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a first. Yeah, but uh, anything else, uh, any other thoughts you guys got there in regards to uh, conference standings? Of course, besides our West Virginia Mountaineers uh, sitting pretty there at the number two spot as it stands now. Uh, you know, well, I mentioned, you know, Oklahoma and Texas being on a bye week and how I was upset about it, but. One thing that I do like is it'll give us a chance to get back even with that record. It's <laughs> one thing that bothers me about bye weeks is the unevenness in the records. Yeah, it's like you see that four and you just want to see that five. That's it. Like where we're sitting at two and zero oh in the conference play, I just want to see three. Yeah, it does. It throws you off a little bit. But uh, having said that, we've uh, looked a little bit at the week six results and uh, 
talked about the, about the standings. So now let's take a look at the Week 7 schedule here around the Big 12. The other matchups going on, of course, besides the Mountaineers, which will open things up for the Big 12 this week with the Thursday night contest. As we said, they're heading to Houston. They're going to be a 7 o'clock kick televised on Fox Sports 1 if you want to watch the Mountaineers on the road in a night game, taking on some familiar faces, whether it be head coach Dana Holgerson, some of the players we mentioned. There's also former Mountaineers on the Houston staff. Uh, T.J. Simmons is a graduate assistant. Their wide receivers coaches to kill short. So a lot of interesting storylines are going to be a fun game, and I think uh, we've covered that one in depth, uh, given our thoughts on the matchups, our key to victory, and predictions. Be sure to let us know your thoughts in the comments down below if you're tuning in on the video version or you can leave those in the rate review section if you're tuning in on the audio side but moving on to the Saturday slate of action for the Big 12 conference here our game of the week this week will actually be Kansas versus Oklahoma State uh, following the Oklahoma State win that kind of shapes up as an interesting matchup so we'll lead it off here with the noon game on Saturday and that is Iowa State heading to Cincinnati that game will also be televised on Fox Sports 1 Cyclones versus the Bearcats who do you guys like in this one uh, what are you thinking here Stephen? Uh, you know, after last week and the Cyclones uh, handling business the way they did up in Ames, uh, you know, it would lead you to believe that the Cyclones are going to be rolling. Uh, but, you know, I mentioned earlier how tough it is to play in Big 12 stadiums, and I don't think a lot of Big 12 teams understand um, how tough it is to play in Cincinnati Stadium. And I do remember West Virginia playing some tough games up there and, and it just being a raucous environment. Um, I know that they're not looking very good right now. I know Cincinnati's had some rough ways to go. Uh, but I do think that the the stars align this weekend. I think they get their first Big 12 win, and uh, and they they pull one out. Hey, not a bad pick there. Not a bad pick. I think, uh, you know, we were talking a bit about the newcomers struggling, but we were also talking about it being hard to win on the road in this league. I think that proves to be true yet again. I'm going to have to agree with you here, Stephen. Um, Iowa State, of course, they're coming off a big win, so maybe it's a little bit of a letdown having to travel on the road and travel, you know, such a long distance to Ohio. You know, it's a trip that maybe they're used to making, you know, traveling to West Virginia. But nonetheless, I think that's going to take a toll on you, especially for the early kick time there, which will be, you know, 11 a.m. their time, going to be noon Cincinnati's time. But I like Cincinnati's defense. I think that they'll do a good job, and I think this will certainly certainly be a low scoring affair, but I think Cincinnati does enough to get the win. I'm going to agree with you, Stephen, but uh, Brad, are we going to make it three for three or are you going with Iowa State on the road here? Nope, we're going to make it three for three. I like Cincinnati. I think that, like you guys said, they're going to get their first Big 12 win. I think their fan base is hungry for the first conference win in Cincinnati. I'm going to give it to the Bearcats. Nice, nice. So all in agreement so far on uh, the couple games we've covered, the Mountaineers and, of course, that one. But then we're moving on to a 3:30 kick, another interesting matchup here, talking about those uh, Big 12 newcomers. We get another one in BYU. They're traveling on the road to Fort Worth to take on TCU, which looks like it will be breaking in a new starting quarterback following the injury to Chandler Morris, and that worked out very good for them last season after Chandler Morris went down and Max Duggan took over in the improbable run they went on but they could really use a win here. This game's going to be on ESPN at 330. Uh, BYU traveling to TCU. We'll let you lead it off this time, Brad. Who are you taking in this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with BYU. I think that they look really crisp. I think they're looking like a good football team. Um, Personally, I don't think TCU has been all that impressive, and especially now that Chandler Morris has gone down. I think he was one of the highlights of that team as it is. 
Um, I think they've still got a great running back that will continue to make TCU be competitive. But I think BYU is the better team, and I, I think they're still, even though they're a away team, I think they're going to walk out with the W. Yeah. I can't really, you know, put my finger on BYU yet this season, what type of team they're going to be. They're such a enigma to me, I guess you could say, because uh, traditionally you think about BYU, they get things done, you know, kind of the way West Virginia is doing things this season, run game and defense. And although their defense seems like it's, pretty good still yet. Um, it's interesting that their offense is really struggling to run the football next to no run game. They're having to get it done through the air, and as bad as I hate to say it, Keaton Slovis has been really good for them this season. However, matched up with TCU, I don't know if that plays into their strength. I like TCU secondary for the most part. I think Josh Newton's really good. Um, they have some good players in the secondary. Bud Clark's got a few interceptions this season, so I think TCU will be able to do enough there at home to get the stops they need, and despite the fact it's a backup quarterback I think you know that helped TCU last season to really um, find their footing and you know explode onto the scene when they needed to and they really need a win here in this one so maybe that's able to energize them a little bit and I'm going with TCU in this one I think they get back you know off the schneid a little bit get a win here over the Big 12 newcomers uh, but what about you Stephen? Uh, I actually like BYU in this one I think uh, you know I, this past weekend TCU just I don't know. There's something going on down there. You know, I understand Chandler Morrison went down, but I don't know. It just seemed a little bit, I don't know. Mine and Bailey even wasn't himself. It didn't seem like in this past game. Um, and, and BYU, every week I've picked against them. Um, and I still want to pick against them because who the quarterback is. But they've, they've come out every single week and proved me wrong. So, um, you know, I think I'm going to take take them this week. What are they, the Cougars? BYU Cougars? Yeah, the Cougs. The Cougs. Yeah, got couple, two Cougars. Got a couple Cougars, Cougars in the league. Got a lot of cats in this league in general. Yeah, that's true. We do now, for sure. Good thing we carry around a musket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good point, Steven. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, you're right there. You're right there. So I'm on an island with that one, uh, going with TCU as uh, my co-host here, both uh, choosing BYU. But moving on to uh, the nightcap here in the Big 12 this week as far as Saturday night is concerned, and that'll be a 7 o'clock kick on Fox Sports 1 in Lubbock, Kansas State, you know, coming off the surprising loss that we talked about last week to Oklahoma State, hoping to get back on the winning side of things, whereas Texas Tech, you know, is coming off of a win there over Baylor. So Texas Tech looks to continue their winning ways. I guess it's my turn to uh, make the first pick in this one. I think I'm going to go with Texas Tech. I think that, um, you know, Kansas State, um, they had to go on the road last week to Stillwater. They kind of struggled. I don't know if they'll have those same struggles uh, with Texas Tech. I think it'll be you know, a bit closer of a game, I guess you could say. But I think that Texas Tech's offense is really finding their footing right now. Uh, Kansas State um, – Maybe isn't exactly the team that we thought they would be coming into this year. Maybe, you know, losing some of the guys that they lost off that Big 12 championship team last season is hurting them more so than we thought it would. And I think Will Howard's not playing as good as a lot of people expected him to uh, leading into this season either. You know, he was really playing good uh, late last season. This year has yet to be the case. So, um, with that being the case, as it has been thus far, I think that unless something changes in that department, Texas Tech's going to be able to do enough there at home at night. I like that home field advantage of going with the the Red Raiders. Uh, what about you, Stephen? Uh, I'm I'm actually agreeing with you here. I think I'm I'm taking the Red Raiders as well. I, I don't think Kansas State has shown me the firepower that that I thought they were going to have. 
Um, I mean, I, I really coming into this season, I really thought they were going to be up there with Texas in terms of the way that they were going to be able to score points, but just doesn't seem to be that way. And they've, I don't know, they seem to play the, to the level of their competition a lot. And I don't think that that's going to bode well for them going down there uh, to Lubbock. So give me the Red Raiders. Yeah, tough place to play there. You know, it, it really is. It's a different type of uh, weather there sometimes. We know about that, how crazy the environment and the atmosphere can be there in Lubbock. Uh, certainly a area all of its own. And, uh, you know, Kansas State going down there is going to be going to be a tough place to play so steven and i got the red raiders getting the win for that reason but brad are you in agreement here with us on the, the big 12's nightcap saturday night for sure we're all right there on the same page i nice. think it's two, i think it's two teams with a lot to prove but i just think that texas tech is making steps towards the team that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year and i think that keeps going with this home win right here ah music to me ears. love it when we're all uh, in agreement on the picks and then we've got one more game to pick here and of course it's our game of the week here in our around the big 12 segment and that is the kansas jayhawks heading to stillwater to take on the oklahoma state cowboys 330 kick there on fox sports one both these teams coming off of big wins last week oklahoma state as we mentioned getting the upset win over kansas state in the friday night contest and then kansas absolutely running wild on ucf so both teams, you know, kind of in a good spot right now. Kansas has been, you know, labeled as a potential contender to reach, you know, the Big 12 title game even, whereas Oklahoma State, we thought they were dead in the water. Seems like they may have life in this conference as well. So interesting matchup here for our game of the week. Who are you going with uh, for the win here in this one, Brad? Yeah, I I think this is going to be an excellent game. going to be really fun to watch. Definitely going to have this one tuned in uh, personally. And, you know, I think that Mike Gundy is going to make it competitive, but in the end I'm going to go with Kansas, man. I think that they're a really good team, and I think that they've still got a lot left to prove. And, you know, even though they're going into a real crazy world in Stillwater, I just think that um, in a close game Kansas is going to get it done. Stillwater's tough. You know, we mentioned that earlier. It's That crowd's crazy, those paddles, all of that, you know. Never bet against Gundy, but I guess I didn't learn my lesson last week because I'm going to go ahead and do it again. I'm going to agree with you, Brad. I think Kansas finds a way to get it done. Love the running backs. Love Neil and Highshaw. I know Jalen Daniels' status with his back continues to be up in the air, but Jason Bean can do enough with his arm and make the you know the few plays that they need him to with as good as their run game is. And he's also really fast and can use his legs as well. So I like Kansas to go down there and get the win in Stillwater. So, Stephen, you know, rounding us out here, our game of the week in our Around the Big 12 segment here on episode 171. Are you in agreement with Brad and I that uh, Kansas is able to go on the road and get a win over the Cowboys, or who do you like here? in this one yeah you know i think kansas really hit a stride last week and i think that they you know they really have found what works with well on that offense and i think that they're going to continue to do that this week and i think more importantly a couple of weeks ago you know even losing that game even with losing that game down in austin i think that they you know they're they're battle tested in in raucous environment so i don't think that that out in Stillwater is going to be anything that they can't handle. So I really do expect Kansas to go down there and get a win. Great point there. Uh, dealing with the environment shouldn't be an issue for them. And uh, we mentioned it's tough to get a win on the road, but that just shows the respect that all three of us have to this year's version of Kansas. We all think uh, they'll be able to go on the road there in Stillwater and get a win over Oklahoma State in our game of the week here and our around the Big 12 segment on episode 171 of the CRW podcast. <laughs> 
So there you have it, Mountaineer Nation. We've dove in on the Mountaineer news. We've talked about the matchups against Houston, provided our key to victory and our score predictions. And, of course, taking a look around the Big 12 at the action from last week, the upcoming action for this week, and even updated you on the standings. But having said that, gentlemen, any final thoughts in regards to this upcoming game against Houston? Anything going on around the conference or anything that we didn't get to touch on that you wanted to throw in here uh, before we close out in this episode of the Country Roads webcast? You guys want to go win the game? Let's go win the game. Let's go. Hey, that's fitting. No more fitting way to close out. Having said that, for my co-host Stephen and Brad, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...